Children may be dismissed to junior church at this time. We have a special treat in the sermon in a little bit. This is the last in the sermon series on dealing with difficult times, dealing with difficult subjects. And uh, we did, I did uh, leave it open with some other special topics that may want to be addressed later on. I turned on, yeah, I'm on. Uh, and so if there's a difficult subject that I have not preached about, that still might be coming. However, if you get the newsletter, uh, we always put what's in the various Sunday school classes in the newsletter. And this morning we made a decision that um, in two weeks my class is going to turn to a temporary series. It might even go really long titled Ask Pastor Steve. And so people from my class and you can as well will submit questions about topics that they would like to hear talked about for an hour or so. And it could be things like critical race theory. What is that? Critical theory. What is that? I've, I've spent a lot of time studying that. Or how is a Christian to respond to other, what, what about pro-life issues or abortion issues or, or same-sex marriage, other really hot topics? Or it could be how can a Christian, um, how can we help caregivers? There could be many other different topics. And we'll talk, deal with those in Sunday school for a time period. If you're in a Sunday school class, keep going to that class. They need you. If not, and if uh, maybe this type of series would minister to you. Though, I hopefully, um, maybe once a quarter or so, we will have certain Sundays so that I will deal with these special topics. Today, we deal with the topic of boundaries and getting free from negative, hurtful people. And we say, in just a moment, when, when, when we pray for each other, I'll, I'll just say right now, uh, oftentimes, most every Sunday, the praise team and I, we try to pray together before the service. And, and I need prayer as well. And I can tell you, that oftentimes I work on my sermon ahead of time. I go over it ahead of time. But then on Sunday morning, there's other different ideas going through my head. And this is one of those Sundays. Now, Mercedes has a basketball game at 2 o'clock. So I guarantee we will be done by 1.30, okay, today. Because um, we won't miss her basketball game. They're doing pretty well this year. Anyways. When I was a kid, I used to like Elvis music. I don't know why. Well, I know why, because he's a really great singer. But uh, anyways, my dad had a cassette tape in his car, and I heard it and started listening to it a lot. And then on summer break, they would play these old Elvis movies, and there was one particular song, Return to Cinder. I gave a letter to the postman. He put it in a sack. Bright and early next morning, he brought my letter back to me. And there's this chorus, which I will not sing because I'm not Elvis. Return to sender. Address unknown. No such number. No such zone. We had a quarrel. A lover spat. I write, I'm sorry, but my letter keeps coming back. And then it has a little do-do-do-do-do-do. Anyway. So then I dropped it in the mailbox and sent it, sent it special D. Bright and early next morning, it came right back to me. Return to sender. Address unknown. No such person, no such zone. This time I'm going to take it myself and put it right in her hand. And if it comes back the very next day, then I'll understand. Return to Cinder. I think that would be a form of a boundary This in this song. This girl, this woman thought, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Return to Cinder. I'm not accepting your letters. Boundaries. How do, how do we deal with boundaries in a relationship? When do we set them? And one reason that this is a little difficult for me to address is because there is a type of thinking that boundaries are only there to protect self and the Christian should not protect self. And I'm going to make the case that our boundaries are there so that we can stay on mission 
for what God has called us to do. And yes, in a sense, it is protecting self, but it is protecting self so that we can stay on mission to what God has called us to do. Listen, God has not called any of us to be a martyr, or at least to be a willing, I want to just walk into martyrdom um, in a relationship. Certainly, some missionaries are in locations where they know God has called them there, and, and, and they face persecution. But I might repeat this later. What did the disciples do? What did Jesus tell them to do when they were not accepted, when they were rejected? He told them to shake the dust off their feet and move on. Who owns your body? God owns your body, right? We are stewards of this body. God owns our body. I don't own my body. God does. God is a creator. God is a sustainer. God is a creator of life, of everything that exists. God created the molecules that make up our body. God owns our body. And we are not, a called, we are not called or expected to abuse it or allow it to be abused. So we set boundaries uh, for some, in, in some ways because they're common sense. I don't know why some Christians think we just reject common sense. God gave us our ability to reason, to use logic, and to use common sense. Now, sometimes God's will, God's calling in our life uh, is different. It's, it, it, it seems to not make sense. But most of the time, God's will will make sense. And so imagine giving your children the keys to the car in time to go have fun, but no limits. Now, imagine being the other person on the road when somebody has given their children the keys to the car and just said, go have fun. We don't want to be in that situation, do we? No, we have boundaries, expectations, rules. That is a boundary. When Mercedes was about two years old, she was a climber. She was always a climber. She's still a climber. I'll get this for your dad. She could climb up on the chairs and get something for me uh, quicker than I can. But she was like two years old. I'm sleeping soundly, or so I thought. And then I'm awakened in the night to a noise and a cry. I go out to the kitchen, and I see Mercedes laying on the floor. She had a chair, a little play chair, stacked on top of a play table. And she had awake, been a, uh, awakened in the night, and apparently she wanted something out of the refrigerator. And she thought she was just going to get it on her, on, her, on her own. And she was kind of whimpering a little. And I said, you don't get any sympathy from me. You did something really dumb. Uh, thank God you're okay. She fell. Praise God she was okay. Our boundaries needed to be better. What I just described would be a lack of physical boundaries. Physical boundaries are gates in the house when we have toddlers. Physical boundaries mean that we do not allow a toddler to wander outside the house. These physical boundaries are for safety. Physical boundaries are when we do not give a 16-year-old the keys to the car without a driver's education. And many would say, even that is not enough. So after that, we give them certain limits and, and certain expectations. And, and we wait until we say, you can drive a little further and be out a little bit later at night. In fact, I had a good friend who told me, when Mercedes starts driving, get a pickup truck without a back seat and make sure it's a manual transmission. Because there's a manual transmission, she can't text and drive. If there's no back seat, there's a limit to the amount of people that can be in the truck. You have expectations. You can go this far, but no further. You can drive at these times. You can have these people in the car, but not others. We all know most of you are uh, older than me, and you've raised children. And you know if your children are around certain of their peers, they're going to 
they're going to affect them for the negative. In fact, we know, psychologically, we know that when you're around certain people, there are changes in the brain, physical, real tracks in the brain, real changes in the brain based off of who you are around. So you, face, you, you, you place physical boundaries in place. There are other types of boundaries we're going to discuss later. One writes, think of the types of situations where people feel the need for boundaries. Here's just a partial list. Being physically exhausted or emotionally overwhelmed. Any of you ever face that? Physical, exhausted, emotionally overwhelmed? Maybe all of us, if we're honest. Chronic feelings of anger or resentment. The inability to say no. Everybody say it right now. Say no. no. Thank you. It's okay to say no in order to stay proper on your mission that God has called you to do. And that is a boundary. You're saying, I'm going to say no to this so I can say yes to other things. I would talk to a pastor, Rick Sams. He's still a great mentor of mine, retired from Alliance Friends. And I, I would ask him something like, why don't you as a pastor uh, do this? And he said, well, if I'm doing that, that means I'm saying no to something else. Everything you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. So how do we, de- we de- how, how do we determine what to do? We, we, we go before the throne of God, we look at the word of God, and we say, Lord, what, what is your calling? What is, what is the burden on my life that I must do? And that means we say yes to some things, no to some other things. Other places where we need boundaries. Poor health habits. The inability to speak the truth in love. The inability to speak the truth in love. Having relationships without mutual care and service. Uh, feeling controlled by the opinions and desires of others. Being primarily motivated by guilt or fear. Think about just poor health habits. You may have no boundaries now. You think uh, you can just do it all. Be a, a superwoman, a superman. And you have poor health habits. So later on, you're not free to do what God has called you to do. You're no longer free to be on mission because of poor choices you made way early on. Maybe 20, 30, 40 years earlier. If we're poor stewards of our body now, we won't be able to do what we feel a burden to do later on. We won't be able to do what God has called us to do later on because we have poor boundaries now. Some of you need more boundaries. You say yes to everything. You think that is what a Christian must do. And I will show you in a moment that Jesus had boundaries. So I received the question. I received the question. When do we set boundaries? How do we get free from negative, hurtful people? I did not submit this question, okay? This wasn't a trick. This, this question came to me. When do we set boundaries? How do we get free from negative, hurtful people? So my theme today is boundaries are set to stay focused on what God has called us to do. Boundaries are set to help us to stay focused on what God has called us to do. They're, they're there to preserve a relationship and or protect a relationship. And most of all, so that you can focus on what God has called you to do. And one of the thoughts going through my mind, even just a few moments ago before, uh, be, before walking up here, was uh, to, to allow myself to be a little bit more personal. It's really hard to determine how personal to get. And I'll say, uh, most of you might know, I was asked to teach as an adjunct last spring at Malone. And so I thought, I'm going to teach this class with a piece of cake, just show up and teach 40 kids about the Bible. How difficult can it be? And uh, then I started getting into the topics in Bible 100, and I saw what the department chair had usually taught about the, the documentary hypothesis of the Pentateuch and, and document, um, Deutero Isaiah and all these other different topics. Uh, and, and I thought, well, I, I want to be prepared. I, I told Megan at one point, I said, I have a fear of running out of things to say. And she laughed and said, yeah, <laughs> you're going to run out of things to say. 
I like to be prepared. And so I made it my goal about a year ago this time. Yeah, I'll teach the class, but I'm going to have to cut out certain other things that I do, not for the church, but my own normal study routines to target those study routines towards the Malone class. In other words, I try to make it my goal to read about 20 pages a day of a theological or biblical or cultural or worldview-minded book. So I'm continuing going through books. I read different articles. They're more uh, pastoral journals type things that come to my email every day and try to keep up. And I thought, I can't, I'm going to have to focus on the Malone class. I'm going to put these aside. Well, that was easier said than done. I thought, I'm going to try to do both. If you want something done, you ask a busy person, right? And so I thought, I can just keep up with both. About halfway through the semester, I realized I can't keep up with both. I got to set some boundaries. I got to set some limits. You can't, you can't do it all. So let's look at boundaries in life. The West, um, Galatians, I'll come back to what I just started to say. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Whatever we sow, we will also reap. This means that we must set boundaries. Otherwise, we will reap what we will sow. This is an agricultural metaphor, meaning that if we do not work, we do not get any food. That's really what he's saying there. If you don't work, you don't get any food. But what we sow, we reap. If we have no boundaries in life, if our life is just scattered, we want to do it all, we will sow what we, we will reap what we sow. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Now listen to this. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in your life. These are the fruit, uh, the fruit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The longer we have the Holy Spirit in our life, we grow, hopefully, in these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, self-control. Notice that a fruit of the Spirit is self-control. This means that we have boundaries. We are not out of control. Titus 2.12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. How are we doing with self-control? I argue that we must always understand our human limits. We must always understand our human limits. Yet, yet we should not have our boundaries to protect self, but preserve relationships and for the betterment of the other person. We also set boundaries to stay on mission to what God has called us to do. And I'm going to repeat that three times because that's very important to me. We have the boundaries not to protect self, but preserve relationships and for the betterment of the other person. We also set the boundaries to stay on mission to what God has called us to do. A boundary is a line that should not be crossed. There are physical boundaries. The one who owns the property has the right to control the property and responsibility to set the rules for those on the property. That's why we have fences, right? I have a fence around my yard. We don't want the dog going to another yard, though our dog wouldn't really hurt anyone. But oftentimes as a jogger, I was a runner, more of a jogger now, I want more people to have fences and to keep their dogs in their yard because you you never know what it's like. You have not really lived until you've been chased by a dog when you're already read ran 10 miles or so. You have those boundaries. Those are, those are boundary lines, a place that you do not want something, a line that should not be crossed, a boundary line. 
Those are physical boundaries. There are moral boundaries. Look at Galatians, uh, Genesis, Genesis 2, 16 through 17. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's a moral boundary. Now, some of us struggle because we think that there are moral boundaries in tension. In other words, we have a moral boundary where we feel like we want to help everyone out there. And it's good that you want to help everyone out there. But reason alone shows we cannot help everyone out there. We cannot take care of everyone in the world's needs. So we need to ask the Lord to help us focus. And we need to set boundaries so we can stay on mission. Otherwise, we'll be helping no one because we ourselves will have a heart attack. One source shares boundaries protect you by allowing that which is safe and constructive to come close to you and by keeping that which is unsafe and destructive away from you. The boundary of a tiger's cage keeps a dangerous tiger inside the cage and vulnerable people outside the cage away from harm. In relationships, boundaries are put in place to guard us and to protect us and to provide a healthy environment in which relationships can flourish and grow toward Christ-like maturity. Without the boundaries, our relationships cannot flourish and grow to Christ-like maturity. Boundaries protect and preserve relationships. Another familiar example are common filters found in every automobile, every lawnmower, every factory, every business, every home, every home or office, and even an airplane. The, the filters protect both engines and people from undue damage. Similarly, a fence around a home protects young children and pets from wandering out into the street and provides a barrier against strangers and stray animals coming into the yard. Boundaries guard us from giving us more than we should and protect us from others taking more than they should. And boundaries make it possible for us to enjoy mutual giving and mutual taking from one another in healthy relationships. Proverbs 4:23. Keep your heart with all village, uh, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Jesus set boundaries. Now this is this is the most important part of the message. Jesus set boundaries. One writes, Jesus took care of his bodily needs. Sleeping peacefully even during a storm, Mark 4, 37 through 39. Jesus prioritized his time with the Father, withdrawing to pray despite the needs of the crowds. In Luke 5, 15 through 16, we actually see that in all the Gospels. All the people are wanting to come to Jesus, and Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to the other side of the lake. Jesus set boundaries. Jesus did not accept others' agendas by refusing to become an earthly king. John 6, 15, right? He want, they wanted him to become an earthly king. And Jesus said, nope, that's not God's calling on my life. I'm, I've got to follow God's will and not man's will. He, he, he had a boundary there. While Jesus was willing to sacrifice his life for the sake of others, he did so according to the divine plan, not the whims of men. At times... Jesus fled harm and protected himself from evil, Luke 9, 10. Do you notice that? Do you realize that? Jesus actually fled harm. In fact, I, I read this earlier today, and I thought it was quite funny. It came from Johnny Erickson Tata, and it's uh, Luke 4, 29. Luke 4, 29. They got up, and they drove Jesus out of the town. They took Jesus to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Now, why didn't Jesus just let them throw him off the cliff? He knew it wasn't his time. Now, I like what Johnny said. Johnny Erickson Tata said, when I return from a ministry trip, I'm often asked, how'd it go? 
Praying friends want to hear about the lives that were changed as well as how my flight went. A writer named Stephen James once pondered. He pondered how the Lord would have replied. How would Jesus have replied if people asked him, how did your ministry in this area go? This is what Jesus could have said. If Jesus had returned to Capernaum, uh, to, if Jesus had returned to Capernaum from an afternoon of preaching and had one of the disciples asked him how it go, he probably would have paused and answered, "Let's see. Most of the people didn't understand what I was talking about, and the ones who did called me demon possessed and a drunk. Half of the people walked out in the middle of my sermon, and then a bunch of folks picked up some rocks." And tried to drive me out of town. Other than that, I'd say it went pretty well. Jesus had boundaries because he was focused on what the Lord had called him to do. And he knew when they tried to drive him out of the town and throw him off the, off the cliff, he had a greater purpose. It wasn't his time yet. He knew when they tried to make him an earthly king, and they wanted to make him an earthly king. And could Jesus have done it? Yeah, he could have overthrown Rome right then and there, but it wouldn't have brought us salvation. He knew the method that God had chosen for him. And he stayed focused on that. And he set boundaries to stay focused on that. He knew that he needed to replenish by the Lord. He knew that he needed to retreat, Mark 135, and go spend time with the Lord and not heal everybody. He knew that he needed sleep, even in the boat when, it, when they were at sea, and it was rough. One writes, we cannot, we cannot be or do everything for anyone, much less everyone. So we must choose who we will be and what we will do regarding the individuals God brings into our lives. Jesus established boundaries for his relationships by, number one, prioritizing the Father. Jesus always prioritized Father. Number two, discipling the 12. And number three, being intimate with the few. He also set boundaries on his actions. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son, that's Jesus, can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Jesus was focused on the father's will. And he set the boundaries to stay focused on the father's will. The next thing I want to talk about today is boundaries in the family, and this skit will introduce that subject. Sunday, no TV. That's 
Thank you so much for our skit crew to help illustrate the message and the need for boundaries. Uh, my favorite line is, why can't we be like any, every other family and spend more than we make? <laughs> the whole point there, uh, boundaries and family. And I want to move to family now. Thank you. By the way, we're looking possibly at more skits. We will be. If anybody would like to help with skits, see Lynn Roboski or see me, and I will direct you to Lynn. Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline your son and there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We have to have boundaries in the home. 
So first I talked about boundaries in our general life, boundaries with our time. You know, uh, Jesus had boundaries. Now boundaries in the home, we must have them. We have to educate our children. We must provide for their material needs. We must show them healthy boundaries so that they can set healthy boundaries when they grow up, right? We must show them and teach them now. No, it's not right to spend more than we bring in. We must teach them proper budgeting and living in simplicity and, and things like that so that they can learn as they grow up. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 is an example of a boundary. We raise our children, teaching them to love the Lord. Some of us can be, some of you may be, so busy with no boundaries that you cannot teach your children to love the Lord, to love the word of God. You cannot show them commitment to the local church. Look up Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 about that. We must know that we have a stewardship under God to raise our children in the Lord. And we must set a boundary that as much as possible, we cut out what gets in the way of that. What happens when two moral goods collide? What happens when we know maybe somebody has a minor need on Sunday morning, but the greater need is to be with the Lord's people in worship? We get to follow the greater need to model with our children, with our grandchildren, we worship the Lord on Sunday morning. We'll be glad to help them another time. But we, now we're talking about minor needs. We're not talking about somebody bleeding to death at the side of the road. If you're driving here and you see a car accident, somebody's in a great need, I think God wants you to help with that at that time. We need these boundaries. Have you ever seen a, a, a tired two-year-old? Have you ever seen a tired two-year-old? That is why we set boundaries. They need sleep, and so do we. If you want to torture someone, deprive them of sleep. If you want to really torture someone, we deprive their toddler of sleep. Don't do that. We need sleep. Our children need sleep. That is a boundary. And, and, and let me say here, I think oftentimes we think that's not a discipleship issue. It is a discipleship issue. Stewardship of the body is a discipleship issue. You want to commit to Sunday morning worship and commit more to the Lord? Go to bed on time and get a good amount of sleep every night because you will continually struggle with your devotions if you're not giving yourself adequate rest. We teach teach our children how to treat others. We teach them respect. Some of you have no boundaries with sleep, no boundaries with diet. No boundaries with exercise. And you pass that on to your children. You pass that on to your grandchildren. We're called to be good stewards of our bodies. We teach our children discipline. We set boundaries for them. And then as they grow up, we give them more freedom to set their own boundaries. We do not just give them the car keys. Also, we should not simply give a child a smartphone. No, there must be limits. We must discipline. We must follow through, but we do not provoke. By the way, I'd recommend Kevin Lehman's uh, resources on this subject. One particular book is titled How to Have a New Kid by Friday. (laughs) Now the hardest part of this message, relationships. What about relationships? Boundaries in our own life, boundaries in family, boundaries in relationships. Now, Now, if you have not noticed, for a bulk of this sermon, I've used a technique called reductio ad absurdum. Reductio ad absurdum. Uh, That means you're reducing it to the absurd. For those that would say we don't need any boundaries, I just reduced it to the absurd. Of course you want boundaries. We want guardrails at the side of the road. You you need sleep. You need need diet. You need devotions. 
What about relationships? How do we get free from negative, hurtful people? One writes, in cases of habitual sin or abuse, the most loving thing we can do may be to deny an unrepentant sinner the opportunity to sin against us. Limiting contact may prevent further damage to the relationship and can be an expression of hope in its future restoration. I like that quote a lot because that's where it gets difficult. Are we to cut off a relationship? Are we to cut off a relationship to protect self? Uh, And that takes real discernment. But maybe we need to deny a person to continue to sin against us which is also protecting them against further sin. For example, at my last church, I had somebody, he was uh, married, living with another woman, and yet taught Sunday school. Is there a problem with that? James chapter three, verse one says, don't be too eager to be teachers because teachers will, will be judged by a stricter standard. Well, I knew there's a boundary with this. There's a problem. I cannot let somebody continue to teach who's living in public outright sin. Kind of like 1 Corinthians 5, 1, where Paul says, even the Gentiles are not involved in this sin. But you know what? And allowing and, and saying you can't teach anymore is also preventing him from further sin or at least quantifying that sin by teaching on top of the other sins. Teachers will be judged more strictly. And hopefully the goal is his repentance. I argue that we should always understand our human limits, yet we should not have our boundaries to protect ourselves, but preserve relationships and for the betterment of the other person. We also set boundaries to stay on mission to what God has called us to do, which is what Jesus did. Now get this, this is right from the Bible. Proverbs twenty two twenty four: Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Proverbs 2, 6, 8, and 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Guilt and fear come from the misconception that godly servants never say no. The truth is the perfect servant, capital S, Jesus, did not do what everyone asked of him, nor was he always available to everyone. By the way, I did not even bring up 1 Corinthians 5 where the Apostle Paul tells the church to discipline somebody, removing them from their congregation because of the outright public sin he was involved in. And Jesus says a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. In other words, you condone that sin, it's going to be contagious and it's going to even get greater. And, Jesus, and, and Paul says, <clears throat> remove the person from the congregation, remove the person from you that he might truly be saved. And Paul's ultimate goal was the protection of the church. Paul's secondary goal was that he would repent. But if you just allow anything goes, there's no confrontation. There's no, there's, there's, no, there's no rebuke. There's no reproof. And there's no repentance. If a, person is per, if a person is perpetually unfaithful, verbally or physically abusive, you must set boundaries. Otherwise, we are allowing their sin to continue further. We may be violating our calling to protect others and violating our God-given mission. Listen, you are creating the image of God. You are a steward of a body that God owns. Therefore, to allow someone to mistreat you is poor stewardship of your body, and God owns your body. The boundary might mean that you only see a person in public places. 
Though I would argue if someone, is, if someone mistreated you in an ongoing way, you should cut off the relationship. Certainly, depending on the severity, you should confront and ask for repentance first. I know that sometimes the person is your child's father. Or maybe your adult children are even mean to you. And that gets really, really difficult. And each one needs to be handled on a case-by-case basis. What is clear is that you are not to allow yourself to be perpetually physically in danger, physically hurt. Further, if your child is hurt, you must stay clear of that situation. If somebody is abusing your kids, and some people think that they're staying, they're, they're, they're still supposed to stay with somebody, even by staying with that person, it's hurting their kids. And you got to get your kids to a safe place. And you yourself are called to also protect yourself. Your child cannot see you as a doormat. Maybe the person hurts you but not your children. Let me suggest by hurting you, they are hurting your children. There are physical changes in the brain when a child watches abuse. Further, what does that teach a son about how to treat a woman? Listen, I believe in a man being a spiritual leader and a physical provider in the family. And, but, but just because the man is a physical leader and a spiritual leader does not mean that a woman is called to allow herself to undergo abuse without fleeing the situation and getting support and getting help. It's a boundary that must be in place. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 is a good guideline, by the way. In that case, Jesus says, you approach the person that sinned against you. You don't get the response. They don't repent. You bring two or three others and approach them again. They don't repent. Then you bring it before the church. And guess what? You actually church discipline them. You remove them from the, the, the church. Then approaches them and says, you're not going to repent. You're no longer part of this, this, this group, this congregation. That's a boundary. How do you get free from hurtful people? Set wise boundaries. Seek the Lord. It's hard to answer the ultimate question without knowing the situation for sure. But I will proclaim from the mountains that if someone's being hurt, they must leave the situation. If they must stay close to the person because they're family, then they must set boundaries. If physical danger is or has been present, call the police. By the way, you need real discernment. And I would be glad to share this one with you again. I should have put it in the sermon. It's called the Wesleyan Way of Reasoning. The Wesleyan way of reasoning. Uh, It comes from John Wesley's writings. But what that means is when you're discerning a situation, you first consult scripture. What's the Bible say about this? Well, the Bible says that God owns our bodies and we are stewards of our bodies. And and the Bible says we're to protect our children and so on and so forth. Secondly, we use under scripture. Scripture is most important. Under scripture, you use reason, tradition, and experience. And that applies to all of these things. Is our experience that this person continues to verbally abuse us, to maybe cuss out our children or talk down to them or, you know, things like that. Is is experience showing us something there? Reason. We use the God-given brain that God gave us and and first and foremost, Scripture. And that applies to this whole discussion about setting boundaries. And by the way, we seek wise counsel. I'd be glad to pray with you and help you and support you. Christian counselors can help you. Your friends, strong Christian friends can help and support you. And we need that support. So it is, it is totally biblical to set boundaries. So question, when should we never set boundaries? I'm sorry, let me say that again. When should we not set boundaries? Are there times when we should not set boundaries? I'm gonna say an emphatic never. We are in a day and age with two many things competing for our attention. Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, cable TV, podcast, books, 
You know, during the Reformation time period, that'd be like Martin Luther, 1500s, an average pastor had 300 volumes of books. I have over 400 on my Kindle. If you go into my Logos Bible software, the books in my office are just for decoration so that I look smart. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, those are for the e-bomb. If the e-bomb happens, I have some books that are hard books. Look, we have so many competing things for our attention. I mean, think about it. 20, 30 years ago, you want to sit down and watch TV. You might have 40 channels to choose from unless you go to the video store. Kids, I'll teach you about video stores later. Uh, <laughs> Go back 60 or 70 years ago, you might have three channels. And if you were a kid then, you were the remote control, right? (laughs) We have so many things competing for our attention. We need boundaries. We have to think about not only what what, what, uh, should we watch TV, but what's the best thing competing for our attention? Should we read a book? Which book to read? Should we, what should we do? And it's so easy to become lazy learners. It's so easy to become shallow. It's so easy to be a, a, a mile wide and an inch deep, right? It's so easy to do that. We need boundaries so that we can focus on what God calls us to do. And we need boundaries so we do not forget God. And most of us are forgetting God. Most of us lose sleep at night because we're up late watching TV. Or maybe we're doing a very good thing. We're helping a friend. But because we've helped a friend, we have no time for God the next day. We don't have tag times, time alone with God in the morning. We don't think about our Sunday morning worship on Saturday night, so we're too tired to focus on worship. We skip Sunday school. We skip prayer meetings. We skip other things. We don't have boundaries. And we need those. Or... We sacrifice our greater mission by staying close to somebody that's harming our family. And I strongly believe in good reason and good logic. And I strongly believe in objectivity. But I believe some people will say, will tell you, some people will tell you that boundaries are bad. But they're not being objective. The reason they say that is because they're trying to urge abused spouses to stay with the abuser. No, you set boundaries so that you stop them from continuing in the sin against you. You set those boundaries to protect the children. You set those boundaries hoping that they will repent and get help and get support. That's necessary. There's never a time when we should not have boundaries. We should always understand our human limits. You cannot have it all. You cannot do it all. We should, not, uh, we, should, we should not have our boundaries to protect ourselves, but preserve relationships and for the betterment of the other person. We also set the boundaries so that we can stay on mission to what God has called us to do, which is exactly what Jesus did. Yes, the Bible says to self-sacrifice, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. In Philippians 2, 3, and 4, it says to consider others more important than yourselves. Look out for the needs of others before your own. But because there's a greater goal, That's so that you can stay on mission. You're self-sacrificing in those instances to stay on mission for the greater goal. God never calls us to allow another person to harm us. That would be violating the principle of stewardship of our body. If we do not set boundaries, we cannot be focused on what God calls us to do. We cannot have it all. We cannot commit to everything. Even Jesus set limits. Parents of teenagers know that the boundary lines between parent and child can get blurry real quick. The older the young person gets, the more apt they are to rebel against restrictions. Many a parent has had to remind their teenagers of who's who. 
The propensity of the young person is to mentally erase the parent-child distinction because they don't want to be told to clean up their room. They don't want restrictions. They want freedom without boundaries, which erases the line of demarcation. God wants it to be clear that there is a major difference between man and God, a big-time difference. God is transcendent. God is infinite. Man is not. There is only one God. Man is not him. So man needs restrictions. Let us pray. Dearly Father, I thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to address this topic with the congregation. I pray, Lord God, that you will guide and bless uh, the reception of the message. And Lord God, I pray that you would help us all, knowing and understanding, not to fall down the steps, knowing and understanding what boundaries need to be set in place. For some of us, Lord, maybe we need to have hard conversations with someone, saying, I'm, never, I'm not going to let you talk to me that way anymore. I'm not going to let you talk to my kids that way anymore. So for some of us, it may be seeing a counselor. For some of us, it might be setting a, a more stringent bedtime and time to get up so we can have quiet time with you in the morning, a time alone with God, a tag time. For some of us, it might be other things. For some of us, maybe we're doing good with this. This message doesn't apply directly. Maybe it's something they pass on to someone else. Lord God, I pray that we all stay on mission for you. That we love you, the heart, mind, soul, and strength. We love our neighbor as ourselves. We recognize Luke 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, that even our neighbor, even our enemy is our neighbor. Of course, Lord God, the reality is without any boundaries, we have no margin in life. Without any margin, we don't have any time to help the neighbor broken down at the side of the road because we are just too busy to pull over. We are too busy to notice our neighbor in need. We are too busy to help anyone. And we are killing ourselves in the time. Lord God, bless and guide us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The altars are always open. And if this has touched any of your heart, or maybe you came out with a heavy heart and you want to pray about something else, maybe it has nothing to do with the message. The altars are open. And I know that uh, Rachel and Elda and Timothy and many others would be glad to pray with you. If you don't want to come up by yourself, your friend or loved one can come up with you and pray uh, about anything on your heart during this closing song.